When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Tribe Super, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined as usual by Craig Johns and Dom Shaw. We're going to look back on the transfer window for Middlesbrough. Wasn't the busiest of deadline days, but overall the month, uh, quite a few incomings. And that's where we'll start, Craig, first off, before we look at who did indeed leave on transfer deadline day. Just sum up the month, in your opinion, good, bad, indifferent for Middlesbrough? I think it was a good month, personally. I think, um, you know, Chris Wilder started the January transfer window and he had one goal, uh, and that was to to end the month with a stronger squad, uh, a more balanced squad, and a squad with better options. Um, and, and he did make clear that he wanted to try and do that business as early as possible. Um, I can't imagine there's been many windows in, in, in Middlesbrough history where by January 14th, they already had certainly the priority uh, business done. Uh, they had all four incoming signings done by January 14th. And, and and ultimately, that's exactly what Chris Wilder did. He strengthened his options. Um, two good centre forwards coming in on loan to to add to the other two strikers that they already have at the club. Uh, and, and, and a fifth, if you include young Josh Corburn, who's pushing there as well, uh, giving him good options at the top end of the pitch. And then, of course, a bit of added balance in the centre of midfield by adding Riley McGree, a left-footed central midfielder. We spoke before about how Wilder likes, you know, that that kind of balance of a right footer and a left footer. Uh, and then one of the kind of project signings, the long-term vision at the club in in, in Keelan Boyd months, um, uh, hopefully an exciting future for him. So I think, yeah, ultimately Wilder got what he asked for in January, and that was a bit of balance, extra options. And they got it done early, which, you know, that's already paid off. January has been, you know, at times quite a tricky month for Middlesbrough. Already we've seen January's early business pay off because the options from the bench with the strikers paid off against Redden, 1-0 down, threw all the strikers on, win 2-1. Coventry, um, you know, um, Connolly having a tough afternoon, not really getting into the game. Nil-nil, Wilder makes the change two minutes later, Balogun's providing the assist for what was ultimately the winning goal. Uh, So, you know, six points there already in January, which you can credit to the January business, in my opinion. 100%. Dom, would you say they've done enough um, to really make promotion to the Premier League a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Bournemouth had a binding window, didn't they? if they don't make the top two now, you've got to ask questions of Scott Parker because that squad um, and the business they've done late in the window is quite staggering, really. Other than that, I, I think you could make a really good case for Borough having the best window of, of those, you know, in, in and around the, the in the picture for the top six. You've got really probably everything. I think you got to the point where you were getting to the final stage of the window and, you know, we were kind of discussing last week as what, what Chris Wilder might want because there's no obvious spots. Yeah, centre-half, I know Kieran Clark was mentioned. You know, you'll know better than me, Moz. I, I, I can't say I'll lose any sleep over not 
not getting him. Um, I, you wonder there again, is that's just cover because realistically, who's he going to come in for at the back? But Dale Fry's not going to be dropped. Dyke Steele's getting better by the week. And Paddy McNair, again, is one of those who's, who's a nailed-on starter. Um, you wonder whether there's an element of bringing in a centre-half to almost add an extra layer of cover for the Johnny Housen position that Craig mentioned in that if Housen gets injured, you can then step McNair forward into that midfield role if needed. Um, the only other thing was was right wing back. But again, touch wood, that's not going to be needed because Jones kind of continues in the form that he has been. Um, and, and obviously, you've got a couple of, of players throughout the door as well. I know they wanted a permanent exit for Uche Piezu, but I was, I was glad he got his move for, for Uche's sake. So he's playing regularly. Um, and Marcus Brown again, you know, I wish him well at Oxford. Obviously, it's been a cruel last 12 months for him, but he's he, he's gone to a place where he, he knows well. He's played probably his best football, a manager who knows him well. So I, I really hope Brown kicks on there. Um, but yeah, as Craig touched on at the start, you, you know, it was a good window a week before the end of the window, unless, you know, something drastic happened and you lost Dale Fry or Marcus Tavernier or both. It was never going to happen. Um, so, you know, credit to Borough for going into the deadline there. You know, if if we get something excellent, but if not, it doesn't really matter. No, it, was, it seemed to be a very good window and a lot of people in the comments agree and are very happy. Um, we're just talking there about doing enough to make promotion a real possibility. We have Nicholas uh, Johansson here asking, uh, can we make the top two? So I think the points gap is, what, about nine points or so? We know how good Fulham are, but Craig... With the additions and the, the January business, do you think the top two is a realistic possibility? I think it's certainly there. As you see, it's an eight-point gap. Um, plenty of games, plenty of points still to play for. It's, it's you know, there for the taking. But, but you know, as Tom said, there, there are some, some good teams there. Blackburn currently have that spot. And, of course, we, we all saw down at Ewood Park, you know, that they are a decent side, they are a very good side, and 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 as Dom mentioned, you know that that deadline day business from Bournemouth, uh, you know the the quality they have brought in, and Freddie Woodman in goal, Todd Cantwell in their team now, and Dan Belly from um, from Peterborough, and Kiefer Moore as well from Cardiff at one time, Barrett Target. I mean, there's some serious deadline day moves from from Bournemouth there, um, you know, flexing the financial muscle if you like uh, with those. Parachute payments still uh, still coming in for them. Uh, they are going to be, I would imagine, you know, the team to beat now, if you like, for for that second spot. It's my, going to be my, interesting. Sorry to in there. My, my my instinct tells me that top two's too much to ask. Um, now there's always a team, isn't there? And you know, you put you put three wins together on the trot, and and it looks very different. But um, my my instinct just tells me it's maybe a little bit too much to ask, given that you know Fulham. Have you know, surely going to go up. Although, you know, you draw against Blackpool is one of those games that always just brings you back down to earth, doesn't it, as the championship does. And and as Craig says there with their, um, uh, with with Bournemouth's, with Bournemouth, with what Bournemouth did late in the window. I think West Brom sacking Ishmael's, I know we were going to talk about this anyway, West Brom sacking Valerian Ishmael today is an interesting one because they had the look of a team that weren't going to make the top six, whether the, the way they were playing, from everything you read and hear, the mood at the Hawthorns, I thought, yeah, I thought their strategy in the summer was very muddled. West Brom's they seemed to bounce from one idea to the other, didn't they? Chris Wilder was, you know, thankfully he didn't go there, but he was the standout candidate by a country mile from the outside looking in. 
I know David Wagner was was close at one point, um, and then they went to Ishmael. But the thing with Ishmael, you know, yes, he was successful at Barnsley last year, but we all saw the way they played. Um, now, now that's okay, you know, with 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 with, a, with all the respect in the world to you know when you're going into a team like Barnsley, but suddenly when you're going into West Brom with a team packed with talent who are expected to go up to then. To then play that way is, is um, and I guess expect everyone to get on board is very different, isn't it? So their their appointment's going to be interesting. I see Steve Bruce is the early favourite, although the <clears throat> the early prices sometimes mean very little. Um, Forest Forest look good, don't they? Huddersfield are a strange one uh, because I keep expecting Huddersfield to fall away, and yet they keep grinding results out. You think Blackburn and QPR look pretty solid, so it looks to me like it's probably two from like four or five. Craig, I mean, Dom has mentioned there the word expectation. Do you think Wilder prefers the fact that, you know, Middlesbrough are, are chasing down the top two? Because I always feel, um, you know, when, when when you're being chased, it's it's a lot easier to, to fall away than it is. You know, there's no real expectation on Middlesbrough to get into the top two now because, like you say, the top two are looking brilliant and what have you. But, you know, if you're in the top two, there's, there's pressure to remain there. And that's not always an easy thing to uh, to match. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I'm, the honest answer is I'm not sure, uh, you know, what Wilder's mentality in, in, in that regard will be. He talks a lot about expectations and about standards. And of course, you know, when he when he first arrived at Millsborough, we were 14th in the table. And, and, you know, at that point, even making the top six looked some way off. Um, and, and you know, in, in the weeks since, in the months since, he's completely turned it around in the manner that he has. Um, and and I think now, realistically, there's when we use that word expectation, I think the expectation now amongst yeah me and, and I think most Middlesbrough fans as well is that Middlesbrough at least make the top six now this season. I, I, I do agree with Dom. I think uh, top two is probably a bit of a stretch, but it's you know there's no reason why they can't push for it. But I think certainly most will now be expecting that they're uh, make that top six and get into those playoffs in May. Um, and, and yeah, I know when when Chris Wilder's spoken about expectation, it's been with regards to that, with regards to kind of making the top six and 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 the fact that expectations continue to rise with the form uh, that Borough have been in, and, and and he's always kind of said, you know, I'd I'd, I'd rather it that way. I, I'm happy that expectation is there because it means we're doing well. If we weren't doing well, that expectation wouldn't be there. It's certainly going to be an interesting uh, run at the final uh, few weeks of the season. We mentioned there a few players who'd, who's gone out on loan. Um, Hayden Coulson went out and Iga Pitsu went to, to Cardiff. What does the future hold for them come the summer? Is it a case that Coulson will come back and hopefully be in the mix? But um, Iga Pitsu looks like he's, he's his future on uh, Teesside's probably done and dusted. Coulson, um, it just doesn't work for a minute because it, Paul Cook took him there. Obviously, they were expected to. Um, storm that division really after their bold summer and Cook's gone, it hasn't really worked out, Coulson's been injured um, so hopefully a, a, a new scene will help him I, I did wonder, because he's he's a good fit Coulson for, for uh, Wilder's system isn't he he's, he's a wing back probably more than a more than a winger or a left back or a number 10 as Neil Warnock played him on a few occasions um, but obviously Mark Ball has got the shirt when he's fit, you've got Neil Taylor there now as well and the, the, the reality is that Wilder won't really have had a chance to watch Coulson because he's been injured. Um, so I think it's a chance for him in the championship 
and a team that are obviously struggling is, is going to have a fight uh, to, to stay up there at Posh. Um, but it's a chance to catch the eye from afar, come back in the summer and then reassess again. You know, going purely off off the, the Woodgate season, um, when Woodgate was in charge and Warnock replaced him, you know, up until the Warnock appointment, Colson was for his player of the year for me, other than maybe Paddy McNair. Um, so there's there's definitely something there. I don't think you should write him off by any means. Um, as as for Rick Piazu, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty clear, barring a, a major change of heart from Borough, that his future's elsewhere. Obviously, we know that Borough didn't want a loan initially. They wanted a permanent, but the stand softened on deadline day. And I'd seen Steve Morrison saying that Rick Piazu chose Cardiff over a few other clubs. Well, they must have all wanted a loan as well. Um, but I think that's a good move for him. I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good move. Um, and, and, you know, we've certainly seen enough in the first half of the season to, to prove that Ipiazu has, has plenty to offer at this level. So I hope it goes well for him and then hopefully he gets he gets a move and, and, and a move that suits all parties in the summer. Anything to add there, Craig, or should we move on to one man who didn't get to leave uh, the Riverside this this January. Um, well, go on. I'll let you. I'll let you add anything on there first. Well, and then we'll go I, I was just going to say to add on to what Dom said there on Ipiazu as well. I mean, of course, Middlesbrough's stance did have to soften uh, on Ipiazu because they did want to sell him initially, and, and in the end, as the as the window winds down and time runs out, they had to soften that stance and allow him to go out on loan. But you know, I think from Burr's point of view, he's he's contracted, I believe, until twenty twenty four. But certainly beyond this season. Um, so, you know, similar to the Jed Spence situation, and he went out in the summer because he didn't really fit that manager's style at that time. Uh, he's gone away on loan and excelled at Nottingham Forest. And now he's, you know, he's, his valuation will be sky high. And, and hopefully in the summer, um, he's, um, you know, he's going to go and, and earn Middlesbrough a lot of money. And and similarly, you know, with the with the Uchief Piazzo situation, yes, they had to soften the stance, but it makes sense because he goes, plays games for, for Cardiff, hopefully does well. And that hopefully, you know, means that he has some kind of valuation for himself because it was clear he wasn't going to play if he stayed at Middlesbrough. Um, for for the rest of this season, he, he didn't feature in Wilder's plans, and and he won't be on this season either because he's you know as much as I like Uchi, I like his wholehearted uh, heart and his sleeve style of play. That's not uh, how Chris Wilder wants to play. He wants his strikers to be mobile. He wants them to press from the top. Uh, he wants them to play with high intensity and, and have really good technical ability on the ball. And and, and that's not the type of striker that, that Uchi is. So ultimately, just a, a deal that works well for all parties in the end. I think we've pronounced his name about three or four different ways there in the last 10 minutes. So um, good luck to us. We should, uh, we should take uh, Neil Warnock's advice and just call him the big man. <laughs> um, on to one man who was told he could leave but didn't leave and that was James the Slicky obviously he's on loan at the moment uh, Wilder said he could go he didn't end up leaving so what does the future hold for him? Uh, but yeah, no, so Chris Wilder did tell uh, James Lee Slick he could leave. He's obviously, he's on loan at the club from Wren. Um, and, and that deal that they did in the summer kind of involved quasi-obligations where they could buy him uh, at the end of the season were certain parameters met. That complicated the situation this month because, of course, Saliki's you know, ultimately come to Teesside and, and to be brutally honest, he, he hasn't impressed. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of game time, but when he has been on the pitch, 
you know, he's he's not looked up to it, to be brutally honest. And um, you know, since Chris Wilder's come in, he's obviously taken a look at him in training, etc. And and he's not fancied him either. And he's uh he's not played a single minute under Chris Wilder. Um so, so yeah, he, he was made available uh, this month. Um, Chris Wilder kind of explained that it would need to be a situation where Burrow worked with Ren and also worked with his representative to try and find him an alternative club because clearly Ren didn't want to just have him back. Uh, so the loan couldn't be just terminated. Um, so further complicating that matter was the fact that he is, of course, in Cameroon at the moment. Uh, representing his country at the Africa Cup of Nations. So, yeah, there was a lot of work went into that one. I know there was. The player wanted to leave, so his representative was was trying his hardest to find uh, Saliki a new club, and, and ultimately, you know, that didn't happen uh, before the the end of the, the deadline. Uh, but, of course, as I wrote a piece yesterday, um, most major European countries uh, in line with England, their transfer window did close. Um, on January 31st, but there are still a couple of uh, countries where, you know, you could realistically think uh, a move could still be in the offing, potentially. Turkey, I think, is open until the 8th of February. Um, you know, we know Turkish clubs have the financial means. Uh, British Ambulonga and, and Yannick Balassi both move into Turkey in uh, in the summer just gone. Um and also the MLS uh, would be a potentially interesting destination there. Their transfer window opens on uh, February 10th. So potential there, perhaps, that, uh, you know, maybe an MLS club uh, were able to kind of do some kind of deal. Because, you know, ultimately, from from Ren's point of view, they don't want him back. Uh, they don't want to be paying his wages. Um but they'll also appreciate that that Middlesbrough is not going to play either, and, and, and Middlesbrough aren't going to kind of you know want to sign him permanently in the summer. So it makes sense for them to try and move him elsewhere as well, where they might potentially be able to sell, um, you know, after a successful loan spell elsewhere. Because you know, you look at the landscape now at Middlesbrough, uh, Chris Wilder this month, Marcus Tavernier has that position in the team currently, but they brought in Riley McGree. And they brought in uh, Caleb Boydmans, both who are left-footed central midfielders like Tavernier and like Saliki. Um, you might argue that in terms of quality, in terms of CV, Saliki should be ahead of Boydmans um, were it uh, to get that far down the pecking order. But Boydmans is ultimately a Borough player. He's contracted long-term and he's a project for the club. So are you going to kind of put your trust and, and put your development into Boydmans? Or are you going to play Saliki? That's that would be the dilemma if if it ever come to that. Uh, and and for me, you know, you look to the future and you and you you put your focus on five months. So a tricky situation for Saliki now. Certainly is. Dom, do you see what they've done in January as laying some of the foundations for the future, regardless of what league they're in next season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Riley McGree is what, twenty-three. Um I think there's real excitement as, as to getting him on a, on a permanent deal. Um, I know Falarin Balogun and, and Aaron Conley are both loans, but you know Balogun is a player that uh, Chris Wilder has, has courted for a, a long, t- well, two years, um, four windows, and and you know what's to say that if Borough were to go up, or even if they weren't to go up, if Arsenal have liked what they've seen, they don't say you know have him for another season and give give another season to Balogun because. Um, yeah, obviously he's in a hurry. All all young lads are at that stage when they're talented and they're desperate to get to where they want to be. You know, look at Patrick Bamford, but it took Bamford 
probably four or five more years than he wanted to, maybe with a few misguided moves along the way, you know, Crystal Palace, um, sorry, Burnley, that loan move that, that didn't work out when, you know, in hindsight, he'd probably been better off staying at Borough for another year and, um, you know, being the best being the best striker in the championship and playing week in, week out. So there's nothing to say that, you know, you're not going to get another loan deal there. Um, and I think you look through the team as well, you know, Wilder and look at the team here and Neil Warnock talked about this a few times, didn't a few times, the kind of core for the next three or four years. Um, you know, Isaiah Jones, uh, Dyke Steele, Bowler, Fry, McNair, um, Tavernier, McGree, as mentioned, Matt Crooks. You know, Matt Crooks is a little bit older at what, 28 without checking. Um, but these are all players, uh, certainly all those who I've mentioned there, who look and whose best years are ahead of them. Um, you know, Andras Sparad, Duncan Watmore, again, they're not as young, but they're by no means coming to the end of the career. So I think Wilder will definitely look and think um, that the future's bright. And that's without kind of touching on the likes of Josh Coburn or the other under-23 players or the other youngsters who are out on loan and, and who are knocking at the door. Um, I, I think when Wilder first came in, you know, he was pretty clear that we've already got a plan for January. Um we don't want to be waiting until the, the end of the window. We want to be quick off the mark. Now, with respect, every manager says that, don't they? You know, we've all heard it coming up to every window. But it was clear that Borough did have a plan and that, um, you know, Wilder, Kieran Scott, Neil Bowles or Steve Gibson, they were all pulling in the in the same direction. Um, and what 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 they wanted, they got pretty quickly. They were at, there, was, there was clarity as to who was allowed to go, who they wanted in, what they wanted in. Um, and and as I say, obviously the proof's in the pudding. And you know, confession time. I, I thought January's. I thought last January was a good window, and it didn't work out. You know, it didn't go to plan. Um, but but it, I think it has the look of one of the most solid windows. Certainly January windows in a good few years. Yeah, most certainly. So it's going to be exciting to see. Obviously, not just how this season ends, but you know, the looking ahead to the seasons to come. Um. Craig, we'll go to you next and just briefly talk about the game against Coventry. 1-0 win. Um, you know, we, we spoke about it last week uh, on the on the on Tribe Super. We spoke about what a good outfit Coventry were. Did the scoreline was the scoreline a fair reflection of how the game went? Um, or was it was it a bit a, a bit um, you know, should Middlesbrough have done a little bit better? Yeah, I think uh, Middlesbrough absolutely could have been better on the day. I think if you're a, a Coventry City supporter, and certainly Mark Robbins, the Coventry City boss, um, you know, you're leaving the Riverside aggrieved at the fact that you are losing that game 1-0. Um, as, as you say, we, we did say Coventry are a good side, and, and, and so it proved um, they were really impressive, to be fair to them. Uh, brought a good away following with them. Um, and and really passed the ball around well, were well drilled, well organised. And, and as I say, of the two sides, they looked the you know the crisper in possession. They looked that little bit tastier in possession. And um, certainly, you know, first half it, it was it was relatively even overall. But Coventry just had that little slight edge to their play that that Borough just ultimately lacked. Um, having said that, though, Borough, you know. 
after Blackburn, we said they needed that kind of reaction. It was a big mentality test for them. Um, and and, and they passed that side of it. They, weren't, they still weren't at the best in terms of, you know, performance and quality-wise. But it was a big mentality test for them coming out of the Blackburn game. And, and, and they did pass that. Uh, they, were, they were clearly more up for the game. Uh, the intensity of the work, of the play they were trying to do was was higher than that Blackburn game, um, and 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 as we alluded to earlier when we were talking about the January recruitment, um, you know, one change from Chris Wilder ultimately he made two at the time with Pierre also coming on, but it was the the one change swapping uh, Connolly for Balogun um, that it made the difference because Balogun came came on instantly, offered something on that left hand side. We highlighted that on the last podcast as well. Um, he Balogun instantly linked with with Neil Taylor and Marcus Tavernier put the ball in the middle and Sporar was on hand and uh, you know Borough win that game one nil as I say in terms of the the mentality test Coventry then have what was it over twenty minutes I think to um to you know to go at Borough and 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 look for the equaliser over over thirty minutes actually wasn't it, it was fifty odd minutes of the goal um and and you know so they're naturally then pushing for for the equaliser and putting everything in and and Burra, you know then it becomes one of the games and we've seen a couple of these under wilder they haven't all been you know amazing brilliant performances easy on the eye sometimes you have to grind it out and and, and Burra, you know did grind it out on saturday and have done on a couple of occasions and you know it's a, it's a good trait i think that some weeks you can be at your brilliant best and you know playing Nottingham Forest off the park for example other weeks you might not be at your best but you've got that kind of will and determination to grind out a result yeah 100% I mean Wilder picked the same team that um, lost out against Blackburn didn't he Dom I mean Craig's mentioned there the test of character but that you know that shows faith from from Wilder I know he made a couple of changes during the game but it was good to see the players kind of respond in that manner, because it was really even while they're saying, No, you've let me down last week, so go out today and prove, prove me, you know, that it was like a, a blip in the road. Yeah, that's it. I think he's 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 had nothing but good things to say about the players as characters and, and as players as he so far. So I think there was there was an element of, um, right now, let's see what you're made of type thing. It was the first time I know he gave him a bit of a dressing down after the second half at Preston when he didn't like the attitude. But it was the first time he'd really laid into them, wasn't it? Um, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't too. I had probably, I'd have probably kind of expected one or two changes, but I wasn't too surprised at all when I saw when I saw his selection. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does at Old Trafford, won't he? Because uh, you know, I know obviously in cup games it's a chance to to maybe tinker slightly, but it's one of those ties that absolutely nobody wants to miss out on. You you've been in with Matt Crooks this morning. Craig and um, obviously Crooks plays week in week out, but how do you tell Crooks he's not playing? He's not playing at Old Trafford on a Friday night in front of nine thousand fans. So I w- I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. You know, same again at Old Trafford on Friday night. Um, with the exception being, and I, again, I don't want to feel as though we're kind of lumping in on Conley here because it's more Balogun than Conley. Um, that that's the one that comes to mind, isn't it? Is you know, is is that that's the kind of obvious. One or what more, as we've as we talked about last week. Um, but I think the rest probably picks itself, especially you know, McGree was always unlikely to play at, at Old Trafford, wasn't he? Might have been on the bench, but given you know he was expected back, was it Thursday at the very earliest? Um, but obviously, his, his positive COVID test came back yesterday, so now we know he's out. Um, 
I haven't seen anything today, Craig. I don't know whether you have, but there's nothing clear yet as to when when he will be back for certain. Football Australia just said that they'll um, that they'll kind of get him back as 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 soon as possible. Um, so again, other than any injury, other than any injuries or any kind of um, setbacks we don't know about, it's that one spot up front, and other than that, I think it picks itself. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a really interesting team sheet. And like you say, everyone will be up for that game. And as Don mentioned there, Craig, you spoke to Matt Brooks this morning. Um, you know, what is the feeling like within the camp about this massive cup tie against Manchester United? Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly a bit of excitement uh, from Matt Crooks, definitely, because he uh, he revealed in that that he's actually a big Manchester United fan. Um, he, he went to games as a, as a kid and... Um, you know, there's been uh, a couple of seats at Old Trafford in his family for about 40 years now, he said. So, um, you know, a special one for him to go and, and play at Manchester United. He was he was also on their books uh, from an eight-year-old until he was 14. He was released by the club at, at 14, went to Huddersfield Town and came through the the uh, academy ranks there in, in the end. But, um, you know, so particularly for him, a, a very exciting uh, prospect. And, and as Dom says, you know, Without that aspect of it, how do you tell Matt Crooks, who's been in the team week in week out, that he that he isn't going to play at Old Trafford? But then add that in as well, um, you know, he's uh, you'd, you'd feel very sorry for him if he wasn't in the starting lineup on uh, on Friday evening. But yeah, it's really interesting to speak with Matt Crooks. He's, he is such a great talker, and uh, you know, he's got that. I've seen a lot of people make the comparison, and and I think it is really good the comparison to, to George Friend with Matt Crooks because he he does just have that that character and that personality where he you know he just you just feel like he gets it, and um, you know he helps kind of create that bond between club players and 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 the, and the fan base as well uh, that connection is always really important i feel and matt crooks is always important with that but yeah in terms of the wider you know how are the squad looking ahead to this you know excitement i'm sure among all of them but also i think you know and again I, i'm you know I, I think most people probably know i'm a manchester united supporter myself and i think from burr's perspective they have nothing to fear going in this going into this game, and and, and Mac Crooks, you know, alluded to that himself. Uh, Manchester United are, are not the force they once were. This is not the Manchester United of the Sir Alex Ferguson days. Um, they have a lot of vulnerabilities now, and um, you know, Middlesbrough, if they can get back to the kind of performances that we saw against Bournemouth and against Nottingham Forest, this Middlesbrough side can go out and and and, and give something in this game because. You know, they're naturally going to be up for it Friday night, 9,500 Borough fans there under the lights, FA Cup, big game, TV. You know, if, if you're not fired up for that one, when are you going to be fired up for a game? Um, so I think absolutely, you know, they've got a lot to play for here. And, and that was reflected by Mac Crooks. He, he absolutely feels that, you know, Borough can go to, go to Old Trafford and get something. And Wilder Dom will put that fire right in the bellies of the, the players as well. You know, even if it is a team that he's picked in recent weeks with maybe just one or two changes, you know, he'll make sure that they go there. He'll point out the nine and a half thousand fans in the stand and say, look, they've come all the way down here Friday night. You know, money's a bit tight and all that. Let's go and put a good show on for them. Yeah, and I think um, you know, the, the the message will be simple in that, you know, this is this is where you want to be. This is the type of stage you you want to be playing on. You know, this is where we want to be every week. Wilder's been there, hasn't he? And and he he absolutely wants to be back there. He doesn't want to be a championship manager. 
Um, but but I think beyond that, as as Craig says, there the the, the there will be a message of you know you you can you you know we're not here, we're not here to make up the numbers type thing. You know we can we can win this. We can we can we can scare them. As Craig, obviously Man United are the favourites, but that fear factor has gone. Um, and everyone I've spoken to kind of has, you know, talked about the game, how much you're looking forward to it. And then there's been that, you know, I fancy us to go and I fancy us to go there and, and get something. I was listening to um Five Live for Football Daily podcast this morning and they had Warnock on and he was he was saying, you know, he, he fancies going to go there. He repeated his um I wouldn't swap Dyke Steele, Fry and McNair for any of the Man United back three line. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not saying Borough will win, but I, I certainly fancy them to go there and, and make it difficult for United. I think it might be one goal either way. Not 100%. They can definitely give them a game and Manchester United have been so inconsistent of late that, like you say, Borough should definitely go there without any fear at all. Of course, Craig will be down there um, at Old Trafford covering that game for uh, Gazette we're, Live. We're hoping can... to be down there, hopefully. Yeah. Both of you, are you going as well, Dom? Yeah, we're, we're hoping so. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping to be allowed out yeah, of this of this back room. So, fingers crossed I'll be yeah, there. Look at that. Bringing the big guns out for the big yes, game, eh? Yeah, big game, big guns. Oh, that'll be lovely to see. We'll need a selfie and we'll uh, post it in uh, under the next week's episode of Tripe Supper to have proof that Dom was allowed out of his back room. Um, not, we'll not, finish... since, not since Rotherham. Was it Rotherham in pre-season when we were both there? So it's only the big ones that we both go to. <laughs> Rotherham pre-season friendly, Borough, FA, uh, Man United FA Cup fourth round. Come on then, we'll finish with score predictions. Dom, how's it going to end? Um... I... I, I I think I'm not going to give a prediction. I'm going to say it'll it'll go all the way. It'll go through. I think it'll be level at ninety, um, and and yeah, then a goal either way. Um, so yeah, I think a draw at ninety minutes. I mean that is sitting on the fence. If there was a better moment to describe sitting on the fence, that would most certainly be it. Craig, but don't it's do still the same. Bold, really, to say to say that we're going to go and draw Man United, Craig. Yeah, well, well, I'll take that. We'll have some um, Joe Lumley penalty shootout heroics. Uh, like, yeah, who be, who be Boris five? Do you reckon, Craig? Who? Sorry, what who, was that? Who be Boris five in a shootout? Oh, that's uh, it. See again, it goes on who plays it because I wouldn't be surprised if he does switch it up up top. But obviously, Sparrow has taken a couple of penalties uh, this McNair, season. McNair would take one, wouldn't he? Um, I, I could see Crooks having the mentality to take one, uh, stepping yeah. up and, and, and doing it. Tav, probably technical ability. Um, it, it, Johnny Housen, responsible head on his shoulders. I think Paddy McNair's taking a couple in his oh, time. Oh, yeah, McNair, McNair would definitely take one, yeah. yeah. And then I think you're looking at whichever is the other striker on the pitch, Balogun, Connolly, yeah. uh, Watmore. Um, one of, I, know, I know it's very simple. I've always said this, but... I, you always want your centre forwards to be stepping up and taking a penalty, don't you? In a shootout, but they're there to score goals. You don't get a better chance than stepping up in a penalty to take a penalty. It's an yeah, interesting one. Yeah. I think of Duncan Watmore taking a penalty, and it doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. That one, he's always. I mean, he scores some cracking goals, but a lot of the time, it sounds stupid. It looks kind of unnatural the way he strikes the ball. Um, what what more is to score the winning penalty on Friday night? Then that's my that's my prediction. 
No, we don't, we're not going to need penalties. I'm going to go and say Middlesbrough to win 2-1. I'm, I've got a bit of faith. My United have been all over the shop recently, so Boa to, uh, to to beat my United, I think, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 1-0, deal Fry to uh, to return back to Teesside with Cristiano Ronaldo tucked firmly in that pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for tuning in to Tribe Supper. Please remember to like and follow the podcast, which is totally free to do. Just means with every episode we upload, you get a notification saying it's ready to be listened to or downloaded to your device. Head over to Gazette Live to follow all the latest Middlesbrough FC news. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in.